Well, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. We're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Matthew. As you know, Matthew presents Jesus as the King of the Jews, and we're seeing the final night before he goes to the cross as the king of the Jews. And we're looking at this passage this morning. Uh, We're actually going to see the first two trials. There are six trials total. We're going to see the first two trials, and they take place at night. Jesus has been arrested. He's been brought to the Sanhedrin, which is the ruling body of Israel. And their plan, of course, is to find him guilty and to put him to death. And it's a very moving passage. And the reason it's so moving is we see really two things here. We see Jesus Christ declares that he is the Messiah the Son of God, and Peter declares that he doesn't know Jesus, and he denies him three times. It's a very sad passage because we see Peter's failure, but at the same time, it reminds us that we're just as capable, we can fail. We also see the physical abuse that they they begin to hit Jesus and spit on him and hit him and those kind of things, and all of this comes to pass as Jesus goes to the cross. So as we look this morning, really, there's sort of we could look at it this way and say this, what does Jesus say, and what does Peter say? And we'll see it in our passage. What do you think of when you think of the name, or you hear the name Jesus Christ? Oh, some people, they hear it and they think of a curse word because sometimes people use that name in a cussing way or that way. And sometimes people just hear it and they say, oh, that Jesus Christ was this person that lived like a long time ago and he lived in the, the Middle East and those kind of things. Other people say, well, Jesus Christ is, I mean, he's in the Bible and he's the son of God. Maybe they don't know exactly what that means. And then, and then there's some of us who like, look at it and say, Jesus Christ, he is the son of God. He is the savior. He is the one who died and rose again. He is that one. You know, when you think of the name Jesus Christ, you realize that, that it's both a name and a title. His name, Jesus, is a personal name. It, it's the same as Joshua. Uh, Yeshua is the Old Testament name. Jesus is the New Testament name, that aspect. And it means Savior. And the name Christ, once again, it means the anointed one. It's Mashiach in the Old Testament and Christos in the New Testament. And it means the anointed one of God. And when you see Psalm 2, it talks about the Son and the anointed one who is seated by the right hand of the Father. So we understand that Jesus Christ really is the most important person who's ever lived, if we think about it. because And I liked what, about what Josh McDowell, Josh McDowell, when he talked about it, he said, Jesus claimed to be the Messiah and to be God. And when Jesus made that claim, three things, three things are possible. First of all, either Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he's the Messiah, is what he claimed, or he's a liar. He was telling people he was the Son of God, and he wasn't, and he knew he wasn't, or he was crazy. And he was mentally deranged, and he just thought that he was the Son of God. So when you hear Jesus and you look at him, Jesus didn't claim to be a great teacher. He didn't claim just to be an example. He claimed to be the Son of God who was going to die and pay for sins. And so this morning, we're going to see in the trial of Christ, the the high priest comes to Jesus and says, "I, I, I want you to swear. I want you to give an oath. Are you the Christ, the Son of God? And Jesus answers, yes, that he is. And this morning, we're going to see the outcome of these first two trials. And let's realize what's happened. The mob has come. They've come to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was there. Judas has led the way. They brought a whole bunch of Roman soldiers. They brought a whole bunch of temple police. They brought the religious leaders. They've all came and they got Jesus. And all this was the fulfilled prophecy. If you look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 56, it says, but all this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Now, Jesus, this is exactly what the Bible said. Zechariah said that they will strike the shepherd, that's Jesus, and the sheep will flee. And that's what exactly happened. The Bible also says that he would be bruised and wounded and uh, crushed for iniquities. All this is going to come to pass. If you remember, Jesus told the guys, he said, you're going to all run away. And they all said, no, we won't. 
And Peter said, look, they may all run away, but I'll never run away. And Jesus said, not only will you run away, you will also deny me three times. They just didn't believe him, but that's what's going to happen. They've taken Jesus. They're going to bring him. They're going to try him three times for the Jews, three times for the Romans. He's going to be crucified. They think they got him. But I want you to understand something. Jesus is in control. Jesus is the one who lays down his life. Jesus is the one who, who in a sense, gives up his life and then takes it back again. He is the one in control. Now, there are going to be six trials, three before the Jews, three before the Romans. The three before the Jews, first of all, he, they took him to Annas, who is the father-in-law of the high priest. That's in John 18. We see that part. And then he goes to Caiaphas. And by the way, it was at night, and he was found guilty. And then they took him to Caiaphas, and that was at night, and they found him guilty. Then the next morning, the Sanhedrin is together. That's the ruling body. And they found him guilty. So of the three Jewish trials, they found Jesus guilty. And when they take him before the Romans, they go to Pilate. Pilate, who says he's not guilty. Pilate finds out he's from Galilee, so he sends him to King Herod. Herod finds him not guilty and sends him back to Pilate. And then Pilate, once again in the third trial, finds him not guilty, and he turns him over to the Jewish people. And so three times before the Jews, he's found guilty. Three times before the Romans, he's found not guilty. And uh, it's a very powerful passage. Now, I think there's a strong contrast as we look at this passage. Jesus Christ declares that he is the Christ. Peter declares that he doesn't know him, and we'll see it as we go through it. Let me break down the passage for you. First of all, we're going to see in verses 57 through 68, and we can go fast. It looks like a long passage, but it's actually pretty fast because it's a narrative, of course, that we're going to see the trial before Caiaphas, and then we see the sad part where Peter denies Christ. Well, let's begin. Look at verse 57. It says, Those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. Well, it says they got Jesus and took him off, but Matthew doesn't tell us, but they didn't take him to Caiaphas first. They took him to Annas. If you turn, you don't have to turn there, but in John chapter 18, beginning at verse 12, they take him to Annas. Annas was the father-in-law of the high priest. And he had been the high priest. And now Caiaphas, his son-in-law, is the priest. High priest. Now, if you know the Bible and you know about the Jewish people, you know something is something's wrong there. Because what happened is Aaron was the first high priest, and his oldest son would be the next high priest, then his oldest son would be the next high priest, and it was supposed to be passed down. But by the time you get to the time of Jesus, the Romans have taken over there in control, and the Romans have actually appointed the high priest. They had Annas, he had been the high priest for a while. And then they set him aside, and his son-in-law, Caiaphas, is the high priest. Now, Annas still has a lot of power, and so the first thing they do is when they get Jesus, they take him to Annas. And it says that they brought him there, and Annas asked him questions, and they hit him in the face. And Jesus said, if I've answered something incorrectly, tell me, but why, why would you hit me? And so they, they, they did all of that. And then in, in verse um, 24, it says that they said, from Annas then said, let's take him on to Caiaphas. So when we get to Matthew chapter 26, verse 57, Matthew doesn't even tell us about taking him to Annas. They just take him straight to Caiaphas. Notice what it says. Those who had seized Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. Now, this, they go into Caiaphas' house. And I want you to understand that the ruling body of Israel had 70 people. And there's some questions of whether they were 70 and then the high priest or 69 and the high priest. We just don't really know for sure. They were called the Sanhedrin, and they would meet in a big in a big circle, and whoever was on trial would be in the middle of them. Now, what you're going to find is what we're seeing in these first two trials, the one at Annas and the one with Caiaphas, was not the whole assembly. 
They did it in people's homes. The first one went to Annas' home. The second one is going to Caiaphas, and they're going to go to his home. And if you notice, it's like a gathering. It's not all 70 people. They gather together, and they're going to try to find Jesus guilty. Annas has already found him guilty. Now they take him to Caiaphas, and they want to find him guilty. Now I want you to understand that all of the trials of Jesus were illegal. Now let me understand something. When I say all the trials were illegal, all of the trials before the Jewish people were illegal. And I'll show you how in just a second. The trials before the Romans were not illegal because Jesus was not a Roman citizen. They could do anything they wanted to with him. He had no rights under the Roman government. Now, as far as the Jewish people are concerned, they were supposed to do it the right way. All of the trials were illegal. How? Well, number one, they were supposed to meet in the judgment hall. But if you're going to find the first two trials met in the houses, they met in Annas' house and they met in Caiaphas' house. So that was wrong. Second is, meetings were not supposed to be at night. They were not supposed to ever have a trial at night. The first two trials were at night. Third, you had to have at least two witnesses. Annas had no witnesses. Caiaphas actually had none that agreed. They brought in some false witnesses, but they never agreed. And then the fourth thing was that when you presented the sentence, you tried the person and whatever you found him guilty or not guilty, it was supposed to be the next day that you sentenced him. Well, they sentenced Jesus the night, and then the next morning when they sentenced him again, they, they did it all on the same day. So they, they violated all of their laws. Now, so they've taken him to, to Caiaphas, and Peter is following. And this, there's, I found this picture, and, and some people, and I'm not sure, say they think this was Caiaphas's house. Others say that this, was, this is the kind of house that he would live in. Now listen, the high priest was rich. Even under Roman rule, the Romans allowed these, the, the, the wealthy Jews and the leaders to, to have money and rich. And, and so Caiaphas was a very wealthy person. And notice what it says here in verse 58. But Peter was following him at a distance, as far as the courtyard of the high priest. And he entered in and sat down with the officers to see the outcome. Now, Peter actually came to this house then. Now, here's the question I want you to think about. Just... Just the regular guy couldn't come to the high priest's house. You couldn't just walk in and go to the courtyard and go in through the gate and just go stand in his courtyard. You couldn't do that. I mean, they, they had people at the gates. I mean, it's just like somebody wealthy today that's got a guarded house. You just can't walk in and say, let me in the gate and let me go see the people. They'd say, you don't come in. We don't even know who you are. Well, when Peter got there, first of all, it says, Peter got there and he went into the courtyard of the high priest and he entered in and sat down. Well, let me ask you this question. How in the world did Peter get into the courtyard? Well, watch this. Simon Peter was following Jesus and so was another disciple. That other disciple in the Gospel of John is John himself. This is John writing. He says, Simon Peter was following Jesus and so was another disciple. That's him, John. Now that disciple, John, was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest, but Peter was standing at the door outside. Now let's stop for a minute. How did John get to go in? It says he was known to the high priest. How come John was known to the high priest? Because if you study the scripture, you realize that James and John worked for their father, who was a fisherman, but he wasn't just a regular old fisherman that had one boat. He had a number of boats. He was wealthy himself. James and John's father was wealthy. They knew the high priest. So John was able to get in. Now, Peter and Andrew worked 
for James and John. If you look in the scripture, they all were together. And so they don't have any money. They were not known by the high priest. So it says that John went in. He entered in with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter was standing outside. So what happened? So the other disciple, John, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. So the reason that Peter got to go in was because John let him in. Now, I'm going to tell you that later on, Peter probably said, I wish he hadn't let me in, right? I wish I hadn't got in there because that's when he got into trouble. Now, here's the question. We know what happened to Peter while he was in there. We don't know what happened to John. There's no mention of it. We don't know. But Peter was there, and we remember what happens there. So look what it says. But Peter was following him at a distance. This is verse 58 again. He's following at a distance as far as the courtyard of the high priest, and he entered in and sat down with the officers to see the outcome. Now the chief priest and the whole council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. So there's this trial, and there's the people, and they're all scattered around, and they're making accusations about him. This apparently is Caiaphas, and he's there, and there's Jesus, and, and these are just pictures, of course. And there's the elders and the scholars and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And by the way, they don't have the right to put Jesus to death. When the Romans took over, even though under Mosaic law there was right to stone people, under Mosaic law. But when the Romans took over, the Romans denied the Jews that right. And the Romans said, we only have the right to put people to death. And under Romans, they didn't stone people. Under the Romans, they crucified people. That's why Jesus was crucified and not stoned. And so Jesus is going to be crucified. Anyway, they're all there and they're shouting and they're trying to get testimony to put him to death. If you remember, this is the plan. The plan is to put Jesus to death. One thing you have to remember is that's their plan but God already has a plan, and God's plan is that Jesus Christ would lay down his life for us, pay for our sins, and take it up again, conquering death and being the Savior of the world. That's the plan. They think they're in control. Jesus is in control. They think they're doing all this. Jesus is allowing all of this. And so it says that the chief priests and the whole council were trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so they might put him to death. They did not find any. Even though many false witnesses came forward, but later on, two came forward and said, now we're going to see that in just a second, but they brought people forward and nothing ever matched. And they kept going, that won't work, it won't work. And finally, it said two people came forward in verse 61 and they said, this man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. So here was their charge. They said that Jesus said, I will destroy the temple and build it back in three days. Now, you may remember Jesus saying something like that, or that sounded like that, but that's not what Jesus said. In John chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, Jesus said, if you destroy this temple, I will build it back in three days. And he wasn't talking about the temple in Jerusalem. He was talking about his life, his body. So when he said, destroy, you will destroy this temple, he was talking about his body, not the building. And Jesus didn't say, I will destroy. He said, you will destroy and I will raise up. So they've made an accusation, and it's still wrong, even though it almost sounded right. And they said this, and the man stated, I will be able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. That's not what he said. He said, if you destroy this temple, that's his body, he would bring it back in three days, and that's exactly what he's going to do. So uh, they didn't understand. Then it goes on and says, the high priest stood up and said to him, do you not answer? What is this that these people are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. Do you know why is that? Because Isaiah said, like a lamb to the slaughter, he opened 
not his mouth. See, everything they said to him is all lies. They're all wrong. He's not going to defend himself. He don't have to defend himself because they're not telling the truth. They said, you said this. He didn't say that. So he doesn't say anything because he's the Lamb of God, which is going to take away the sin of the world. And so <clears throat> the, the priest says, don't you hear all this? What are these people testifying against you? And Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Now, the high priest actually says, I adjure you, which means I'll put you under oath. I want you to swear before God. I want you to swear that you'll tell us the truth if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Now, that's a, that's a big question because I want you to think about it. What did Jesus say this whole time? Jesus went about saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the Son of God. I'm the Christ. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of David. I'm the Son of man. I'm the one who's come to give life. I mean, mean, that's what he said over and over. And so if, when they ask him this question, are you going to tell us whether you're the Christ? Are you the Son of God? If Jesus says, no, I'm not, that's the end of the ministry. Because he's claimed to be the Son of God. He's claimed to be the Savior of the world. He's claimed to be the Messiah. And if he were to say, well, no, I'm not the Christ, the Son of God, that's the end of the ministry. If he does say yes, he's going to have to die because they say, well, you're not the Son of God. Nobody's the Son of God. You're not the Son of God. So they want to kill him. So the high priest said, "I, I want you to swear by God that you will tell us whether you're the Christ or not. Verse 64, Jesus said to him, you have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Now, he basically says it. Now, listen, it's kind of weird on this one, but in Matthew, when he says you said it yourself, it's like he said, you got that right. I mean, they said, tell us if you're the Son of God. And he said, you got that right. Now, one of the other Gospels, one of the Gospels of Mark says that he said, I am, and that's all he said, which is, as you know, is the personal name of God. And so he says, I am. And so he tells him, yes, I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. And then he says a future event. Look what he says. You will say, Hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power, sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, and coming on the clouds of heaven. He says, here's what's going to happen. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 13, in Psalm 110, the Bible talks about that he's seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father until it's ready, and he's going to come as the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to come with the clouds of heaven in power. We already saw back in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Jesus talked about the heavens would open, and he would come as the King of kings and Lord of lords. We already saw in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, that the heavens are going to open, and Jesus is going to come as the King, and his name is is called the Word of God, and he's written, uh, you know, he's the King of kings with the crowns. He's coming as power, and that's what he tells them. And he looks right in the face and says, you said it right. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. I'm seated. I'm going to be seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father, and I'm coming in power. You know what he actually says to them? I'm coming to judge you. See, they're judging him right now, but he's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Revelation 19, he's coming in judgment. Well, what are they going to say to all this? Well, look at the response in verse 65. The high priest tore his robes and said, he has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all answered, he deserves death. They tore his robes. 
Uh, that's what happened. Now, I got two pictures. One, this is him tearing his robes, and there's Jesus there. And here's another one where he's tearing his robes, and they're beginning to hit Jesus. Uh, let me tell you something. In that day and time, if you were really upset about something, if you wanted to show you're really upset, you'd take your robe, and you'd tear it like, oh, I'm so mad. And that, that's, that, like, that's what they did. Well, here's one of the things, though. This is the high priest. And in Leviticus chapter 21, in Leviticus chapter 21, the high priest is never to tear his robe, never. And so he violates Scripture. The high priest, they've already violated Scripture through all of their trials, and now at this, he violates Scripture by tearing his robe. And then look what he says. He's blasphemy. That means you've spoken against God. What further witnesses do we need? Well, they haven't had any witnesses. Behold, you've now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all said, he deserves death. Now remember, they can't put him to death. They're going to have to take him to the Romans. They're going to have to take him to the Romans. They think they got him. Do you understand? that They don't have Jesus. Jesus is laying down his life. Remember what Jesus already said? If I wanted to, I could call all the legions, uh, you know, legions of angels. I, I, I mean, I, I can do anything. He could just look at them and say, stop, and everybody just be frozen. He could, he could do anything he wants to do. But he's come to die for us. He's come to give his life as a ransom. He's come to die on the cross to pay for the sins of mankind. That's what he's come for. And so... When they say all this stuff, he deserves to die and all of these things, uh, they think they've got him. And I want you to understand, they wanted to kill him because he's claimed to be God. When they take him to the Romans, they can't do that because the Romans don't care whether he thinks he's God or not because if they took him to the Romans and said, this man thinks he's God, and the Romans would say, so? we got a lot of gods. It don't matter to us whether he thinks he's God. So when they take him to the Romans, they're going to have to say, this man thinks he's the king of the Jews. And so there's only supposed to be one king, that's Caesar. So the only way that they can get the Romans to be against him is that they can say he's the king. That's why when they crucified Jesus, you remember what the sign said above his head? Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He was crucified by the Romans as the king of the Jews. He was killed by the Jews as the son of God. And that's who he is, the son of God, the king of the Jews, the king of kings, and the Lord of Lords. And that's what we see. So what did they do? They began to, they spat in his face. They beat him with their fist. Others slapped him. And they said, prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is the one that hit you? That picture's pretty good because they're hitting him and saying things. And, and so it's really, really, really horrible. And, and we can see, we can see their hatred and fear of Jesus. If you remember several weeks ago before I went on vacation, I talked about that sermon uh, that Jonathan Edwards wrote, and it was uh, sinner, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And I said to you, I don't even think that's a good title. I don't think God's angry at people. I think God loves people. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. I think it's better, the truth is, that God in the hands of angry sinners, and this is what we have here. We have all these people who hate him, who want to kill him, who want to put him to death, who don't want him to be the Messiah. You remember earlier uh, that, that, that they'd sit around and they talked about it, and Caiaphas had said, listen, the very best thing is that this man dies because if he keeps doing what he's doing, he's causing such an uproar that the Romans are going to come and take away our positions. That's all they cared about was their power and their positions. And so they're angry. And so this is their chance. They think Jesus is blaspheming, and so they're going to put him to death. Then they've got to figure out what to say to the Romans, but they think they've got him. They don't have him. Well, from this, let's see Peter and his denials. And let me just say it. It's, it's so sad. It's sad because this is us, too. And look what happens. So it says, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. 
And a servant girl came up to him and said, you, you too were with Jesus the Galilean. Now, he was in the courtyard. A lot of people say that <clears throat> this is sort of what it looked like. The house, the building surrounded usually in the courtyard. You could come in. And then and we know from the scripture that there was a, a charcoal fire there that people were warming their hands. And so they were in the middle there. And a girl comes to him, a servant girl comes and says, you too were with Jesus. And so it, he denied it before them and said, I don't know what you're talking about. And so the first one is, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, it's going to get worse, by the way, as it goes. But he just starts off by going, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I don't, I don't know. And that's his first denial. And so then what happens? When you're going out to the gateway, I think he says, maybe I better leave. I think that's what he thought he was going to do. Another servant girl saw him and said to those who were there, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. She says he was with him. Then again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. The second, and by the way, that's him around the, the, fire, the, the fire and the people are saying, we know who you are. And he says, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. He started off as saying, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he says, I don't know the man. That's the second one. And then here's something else happens. Look, a little later, the bystanders came by, came up and said to Peter, surely you too are one of them because even the way you talk gives you away. Now, you can't tell it from this gospel, but from the other gospel, the person that came and said that to Peter was a relative of the guy named Malchus. You remember who Malchus was? When Jesus got arrested, Peter pulled out his sword and swung it and hit a guy and cut off his ear. That guy's name was Malchus. One of the other gospels tells us that this man talking to Peter is a relative of Malchus. He may have been there when Jesus cut off the guy's ear. So he said to him, you too are one of them. And then he said this, for even the way you talk gives you away. Now, what does that mean? Because they had accents. You understand that the people who lived in Jerusalem, that's the southern part of Israel, were more of the wealthy people, the educated people, and they lived in the big city. Now, up in the northern part where Jesus had his ministry and where they were the fishermen and the farmers, they they were not quite as wealthy or educated, or as educated. And so they had a different dialect. And they basically says, I can tell where you're from by the way you talk. Now, listen, I grew up in Mississippi. I mean, if you talk to me, you say, well, he's from the South. But if you talk to somebody else, they may say, that guy's from New York. Listen to how he talks. He's from New York. And so we know the different dialects. So he looked at Peter and said, I know where you're from. You're from Galilee because I can tell by the way you talk. And so what does Peter then say? Then he began to curse and swear. I do not know the man. And immediately a a rooster crowed. He said, he cursed. Listen, this last one, it says, he didn't mean he said a bad word. He said, may I be cursed. I don't know the man. That's what he tried to do. And it says that exact that moment, a rooster crowed. Now, I want you to see something. So hold your place right there and turn to Luke 22, okay? We're going to look at Luke 22, 60 and 61. Just flip over to Luke 22, and I want you to see something that, if if you've never seen this, it, it might shock you. Okay, Luke 22, this is the same event where Peter says, I don't know you, and then the rooster crowed. So watch, look at verse 60 of Luke 22. It says, but Peter said, man, I do not know about what you're talking about. Immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And so here's this picture of Peter, and that's the rooster crowing. Okay, now watch, look at the next verse. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Listen, the Lord, how could could Jesus see Peter? 
Well, if Peter was out in the courtyard, some say that they could look out through the, those windows, through the, or they could be bringing Jesus out. And notice the picture that I just showed you. You may not have noticed, but look right there. There's Jesus. They're bringing him out, and he's looking at Peter. That's a pot. But we know this, that Jesus looked at Peter. Let me tell you, how do you think he felt? How do you think he felt that he had just denied Christ three times, and he looks up, and Jesus is looking at him? It says, he went out and wept bitterly. Go back to Matthew, and it says in verse 74 again, he began to curse and swear, I don't know the man, and immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words that Jesus had said. He remembered the word. And as before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. We see the weakness of the flesh. Why did Peter fail there? Well, first of all, he had confidence in himself. Remember, he said to Jesus, I will not run away and I will not deny you. He ran away and he denied him. He followed from a distance. Remember, we said, if you're going to follow Jesus, don't follow from a distance. Get close. He followed from a distance. He wanted to sit down and to see what was going to happen. And the third thing, he's with the adversaries. He's with the people who were against Jesus. He put himself in a very bad situation. Be careful. Don't put ourselves in situations where we might fail. It is so easy to fail. I want you to think about it. It's so easy for people to say, I think I, think I can be good enough. See, I used to think that if you're good, if you, if you live a good life, you, you can go to heaven. I used to think you could be good enough. I was wrong. You can't be. We need a Savior. It's easy to fail when we think we can be good enough. And the same thing for the Christian life. We say, well, I can do it. No, you can't do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, but you can't do it in your power. What do we do when we sin? Peter says, went out and wept bitterly. What are we to do? We're to confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. Well, almost through because it's, it's, this is the night. We've already had two trials. And Jesus has been found guilty at two of the trials. We're going to see that in Luke twenty-two sixty-six. it says, When it was day, the council of elders of the people assembled, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council chamber. So in the morning, they're going to have a big meeting. Look at chapter 27. Look at verse 1. It says, Now when the morning came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people conferred together against Jesus to put him to death. So we're going to see next week the very first trial... Uh, the first morning trial, of the, which would be the third trial, but the one in the morning for the Jews. And then we're going to see him take, him take Jesus to the Romans, to Pilate. And I, I, I have a little sadness for Pilate. I think he was caught. I don't think he knew what he was doing. Uh, his wife warned him and said, don't have anything to do with this righteous man. I had this bad dream about it. He should have said, listen, I don't care what you're doing. I'm not going to put him to death. Now, of course, in the sovereign plan of God, that's what's going to happen. But your heart breaks even for Pilate. Even though he was a bad person, when you look out through history, he was a bad person. He eventually was replaced because of, of his hostility toward the Jews and the fact that he killed a lot of people. So he's a bad person. But you could feel sorry for him just a little bit because he's caught in this thing. They want him to put Jesus to death, and he says, I don't see anything that he did wrong. We'll see that next time. So the trials begin. Annas and Caiaphas went, are you the Christ? Yes. They say it's blasphemy. We see Peter. Uh, where he denies Christ three times. So let me give you some applications and we'll close. Let's understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That's who he is. He is the Messiah and the Savior. When we start thinking about the name Jesus Christ, that's who he is. And I want you to understand something. First of all, Jesus is the Son of God. He is the eternal 
Son of God, who left the glories of heaven and became a person. John 1.14, the Word became flesh. He is also the anointed one of God. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is that. And the third thing is he is the Savior of the world. So let's understand who Jesus is. And so with that in mind, believe in him for eternal life. If you're out here this morning, if you're listening on the on the Facebook Live, if you've never understood this, Jesus is the one who died on the cross to pay for your sin and rose again. And he gives eternal life to anyone who believes. If you will trust in him as your Savior, you trust in him, he will give to you eternal life. You can do that right where you're sitting. You can do that while you're listening. The second thing is that we need to proclaim to our world that he is the way and the truth and the life. The second application, and I'm going to go quickly, is let's realize how easy it is to deny Jesus. Don't follow him as a distance. How do we deny him? By what we say and what we don't say. We say bad things and we don't say the good things. We don't say, we don't proclaim the gospel message and we say bad words. And then by our actions, what do we do? We do bad things, we don't do good things. We've got to be very, very careful. So how do we deal with this? Well, let our words be that build up and encourage others. Let our words be that we proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And then the second thing is our actions. Let's live according to the word of God. Because can people can see us and see that we're different. We're different than the fallen world. Last but not least... Let's deal with sin in our lives. And this is what Peter had to do. Uh, Judas didn't really deal with it, by the way. Judas denied Jesus, uh, betrayed Jesus, and went out and killed himself. Peter denied Jesus three times and dealt with his sin and came back and God restored him. So what do we do? Realize that Jesus knows our failures and our weaknesses. Listen, he knows everything about you. He knows everything about you. He knows every time you fail. He knows every time you're tempted. He knows every aspect. Do not give in to all that. Just realize he loves you beyond what you could imagine. And when we sin, deal with it. Confess our sin. That's what I want to put up here. Confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you. I talked to a friend of mine just recently, and he really struggling because of his past sins. And I said, you, you, you got past sins. We know that everybody has past sins. You, you got to confess them, forsake them, and go on with our lives and realize that he loves you beyond what you could imagine. Listen, we, how many of us in this room sinned? Sinned yesterday. We all sin and come short of the glory of God. Confess that sin and go on to live for him. So let's deal with sin in our lives.